When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good to see you both here in this live and David Blackmon. Good morning. Good morning. Good afternoon, Arena. Good afternoon. Uh, three days ago, Elon Musk was in Brazil and met the Brazilian President Jair Bolsonaro. It was very interesting. They made agreements on Starlink Internet, monitoring Amazon, and other investments in the country, without any correlation, of course. Uh, some days before, Tesla was excluded from ESG top 10 list from a consulting company. And David wrote an article in Forbes yesterday about this subject. David, please, could you please tell yeah, us, uh, <laughs> says, what, what means uh, when Elson, Elon Musk says uh, ESG is a huge scam? <laughs> well, I, you know, uh, I've kind of had that feeling about it for 16 years now, um, <laughs> since uh, the company I was working for in 2006 got its first letter from, from an ESG investor firm demanding that it take all these actions to, to build an annual sustainability report and make all sorts of changes to its operations. And, you know, when our CEO asked me for my advice, uh, I told him I'd thought we should just throw the letter into the trash can and not respond. And that's what every company should do because this is clearly a bunch of activists who have made inroads into a big investment firm and they will make constantly escalating demands every year. So you can never satisfy them. And that's exactly how it's all played out. I mean, this is just from the, the activist playbook, basically. And, but now they control enormous amounts of, of funds. Uh, they claim to control over $30 in investment money globally. And uh, they managed to put three members on the board of ExxonMobil last year. Um, so they've made great inroads. It's been an active strategy, mainly because CEOs and Corporate management teams are, are afraid of them and have uh, just decided to play their game with them every year and spend millions of dollars producing these glossy sustainability reports and, and, and admittedly have made some changes to their operations that have had the effect of reducing emissions and putting more minorities and women on corporate boards, which is a good thing and uh, revising the, the uh, uh, bonus uh, structure for their senior executives, which has also been a good thing in the shale industry to some extent. And so the, co the, the, the question becomes whether the costs or the benefits outweigh the costs. Uh, Mr. Musk was delisted. He's the, the man who created the most successful electric vehicle company on earth. Let's all remember. And last week, the S&P Dow Jones company delisted his company 
from its uh, uh, listing or its index of responsible ESG companies. At the same time, and what really I think set Mr. Musk off, Dow Jones, uh, S&P Dow, chose to put five additional oil companies onto the index, right? And ExxonMobil's in the top 10. And that really set him off. And, and so the question I think that Musk is raising is whether these ESG ranking systems are really legitimate, um, you know, whether they are truly an indicator of a company's environmental and social and governance performance. And uh, the, the reasons for the delisting that were offered by S&P Dow Jones, I think, were, you know, very specious, frankly. And uh, uh, some people I reached out to for quotes on, on the article said that they believe politics is behind it, uh, since Musk is, you know, uh, in the process of taking over the Democratic Party's favorite messaging social media platforms uh, in Twitter, uh, that this is kind of retaliation for that. Uh, I don't know. Uh, it's, it's hard to know either way, but uh, there certainly are those suspicions out there. And I, I just think it's uh, really very interesting that the wealthiest man on earth has uh, now decided not just to acquire Twitter, but take on the whole ESG rubric. And, uh, you know, I think at the end of the day, that'll probably uh, be a positive thing for us all. You did not, I, I'm not familiar with ESG ranking, uh, let's see, variables that they consider for uh, analyzed companies, but uh, I'm not sure you are. But uh, I mean, uh, no, uh, but nobody maybe. really is, I think. <laughs> No, no, this has been said. There, there has been criticism about all these standards and people calling for, uh, you know, standard standards, unified standards for ESG requirements to companies, regardless of their, um, you know, of, of their business. And too general or too, too weak or too unclear or too, you know, too uh, unproductive, really. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we need to recognize that uh, doing these things dramatically can increase a company's administrative costs. Uh, when I was in the consulting world 10 years ago, uh, a firm I was with made millions of dollars helping companies um, produce these annual sustainability reports, uh, which brag about all the great things you're doing in these realms. And oh, just so it's a good business. It's oh, it's a heck of a business. And, oh. and this, the real scandal in this really is that, they, you know, there are other than in addition to S&P Dow Jones, there are several other companies who, who also do these index ranking systems. But then they turn around and say, well, we can get you on the list if you'll just pay us a bunch of money to create your sustainability report. Right. So they're also consulting companies. And uh, it's really kind of a cottage industry that is. Uh, you know, it's self-sustaining and it's not going to go away. And so uh, Tesla and Elon Musk can either decide to try to conform their management practices to these artificial metrics that have been created, or he can continue to lash out whenever he's punished by one of these index services. I understand Tesla was, uh, sorry, Amanda. No problem. I understand that Tesla was removed because it had no emission reduction commitments 
<laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's that's incredible. So, uh, if if they were, were talking about the, the beginning of the process of mining uh, and and the batteries re rejection, so this is something reasonable, but emissions. Right. Yeah. So Musk's argument is that, well, my gosh, my whole company is an emissions reduction company. If you accept the proposition, the argument, and I don't necessarily accept it, that electric vehicles are less polluting to the environment from cradle to grave uh, than most uh, ICE, internal combustion engine automobiles are, um, then you have to say that Tesla, its entire business is modeled around that. Why should Tesla, given that, have to, <laughs> you know, create, spend millions of dollars conforming its practices to these artificial metrics that are somewhat arbitrary and very difficult to truly measure, um, it, you know, when it can point to its performance, Okay, it's actual performance as a company. And I think that's a very strong argument. Um, and, but, you know, what happened to Tesla was the day it was delisted, its stock price fell by 7%. Now, the overall market was way down, but just by 4%. So you, you have to think some of that drop was due to its being delisted from this index. And, and why should any company have its economic value uh, damaged like this for failing to conform a bunch of metrics that are not required by law or regulation and that are so incredibly difficult to truly measure. Um, and I think that's a very legitimate question that we all should be asking. It shouldn't just be Elon Musk objecting to this. The whole corporate world should yeah, have been sure. objecting to this for 16 years. Yeah, it's not reasonable. He did not, on May 12, 2022, this, this year, Elon Musk said, hydrogen is the most dumb thing I could possibly <laughs> imagine for energy storage. <laughs> what, what do you see in this uh, sentence? Uh, he, he's been talking against hydrogen for, for a very long uh, time. He, he's been saying it's dumb. Uh, I expect it's dumb because it's expensive and it's really commercially unviable. Uh, just look at all these commitments being made uh, about green hydrogen production capacity in Europe. Uh, they're planning 40 gigawatts of uh, green energy production capacity. Uh, what was it in, in Australia? Uh, help me here, David. Which company was it? One of the big, uh, big energy players said they will be making massive amounts of green uh, hydrogen. Yeah, that's Chevron. Them. I'm pretty sure that's Chevron. No, it was. Uh, it was, and an Australian company. Uh, oh, uh, Karun. Yes. Karun. Uh, oh. Oh, Karun. Never mind. But uh, a lot of promises. Uh, Woodside. Woodside Energy. Woodside was it? Yeah. Yeah. Probably, thanks. Uh, but uh, the truth is that I, I don't see a lot of green hydrogen, uh, hydrogen capacity being built anywhere but in the Middle East, uh, where there are uh, you know, specific climatic circumstances, lots of sun, a lot of, guess what, cheap energy from oil and gas. Yeah, that's right. Uh, 
Yes, so uh, for them it's a kind of diversification uh, for uh, Qatar and Saudi Arabia, but for Europe, I, I, I don't see it happening. I mean, it could happen uh, literally if they pour all the billions needed for that. But uh, as an energy storage, you don't just have to think about the wind and solar that will power the electrolysis for the production of green hydrogen. You have to think about storage capacity. You have to think about pipelines. You can't just, there was this idea to store hydrogen in existing natural gas pipelines, which is impossible because hydrogen is uh, corrosive. It needs to be uh, stored in special containers, even if they're pipelines. So all these uh, petty details, you might say, nobody's talking about them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's like, like nobody's it's... talking about the pesky details about ESG investing and how ESG is actually ESG investing and what it actually means. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, you know, on hydrogen, I, if I was Musk, I'd be bad-mouthing it too. It's, it's his main potential competitor. And, and it's all the point, exactly, with yeah. cars, yes. Exactly. Yes. Right. And but on the point about it being expensive, uh, you know, we're seeing these massive price increases now for electric vehicles and pretty much every electric vehicle maker because of the skyrocketing prices of the minerals yeah. they have to have. And so they're becoming extremely expensive as well. And this whole strategy that the Greens have had now. Uh, of artificially jacking up the price of fossil fuel energy. So to make these vehicles and wind and solar more competitive is failing because, uh, you know, they're, they're having to raise the prices of, of these supposed replacements for the fossil fuels. So they're going to have to try some other tactic now. And remember that uh, hydrogen is not a primary energy, it's a consequence energy. Right. Yeah, and compete with uh, batteries, electric batteries for the, yeah, as you said, uh, David, uh, with uh, electric vehicles. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, hydrogen, I mean, you know, it's interesting. It is interesting, but as Arena points out, you have it to, to replace gas engines with hydrogen engines, right? You have all this infrastructure that you're going to have to build out, right? You can't just use, as she points out, you can't ex use the existing natural gas pipeline system, you're going to have to put in a whole network of hundreds of thousands of new pipelines that the environmentalists already oppose today. And, and, and the gas stations are going to have to be converted to hydrogen. And, you know, it's, it's hundreds of trillions of it's dollars of infrastructure. Yeah, because it's yeah. very flammable. Right. Yeah. It's well, just, it's, yeah. Um, it, it, it's another one of these things that can be, a niche alternative, kind of like natural gas vehicles have been. Um, but it, to think it's going to uh, displace all these fossil fuel cars is, is just irrational and impractical. Those are my big words for the day. Irrational and impractical. It describes our whole energy world. <laughs> yeah. Politely, I might add. Yeah, Quite politely. That's right. That's right. So uh, let's send to Elon Musk a good day. <laughs> and uh, say to him to stay calm because another... Uh, and keep fighting. Yeah. Keep fighting. Stay <laughs> He's calm on the right keep track. fighting. Exactly. His, his mind yeah. is in the right place. Yeah, that's good. Thank you so much for this nice conversation this Monday, Irina and David. Thank you both. Thank you. Always Thank a you. pleasure.
Have a great week. Day. You too. Bye-bye.